Hello, you are listening to Zeno Chat, the uh, podcast covering over the uh, Zeno meta series, including uh, Zeno Gears, Zeno Saga, uh, all the way up to Xenoblade. I am your host, Tyler, and with me is uh, my co-host, Justin. How's it going, everybody? Uh, hey, so um, yeah, we're uh, here today to talk about all kinds of Zeno. My inspiration for this was um, basically... I wanted to listen, I've been getting more into podcasts lately, and I wanted to listen to a Zeno podcast, if possible, because I know there's all sorts of podcasts for different anime and uh, different video games like Final Fantasy and stuff like that, but um, in my search, I could not find any Zeno podcasts, so here we are, and if there are any Zeno podcasts, please let me know, because I want to listen to them. Um, So it was our first episode, it's... We're gonna. It's gonna be a little rough, so I apologize in advance. Um, first of all, I think we're gonna just gonna. I guess an overview. We're gonna just chat about our experiences with the Zeno uh, franchises, and then maybe go into a little bit of the history of the games as well. Uh, but let's um, before we get too far into it, let's just discuss our personal history with the series. Um, Justin, would you like to do the honors? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me here since I really, really love the Xeno series. Actually, is it Xeno or is it Zeno? That, I was, <laughs> I was actually fearing that discussion. Because <laughs> I've heard some uh, people pronounce it as Zeno. Um, and right. usually in the, like when I would watch like Japanese trailers, they would pronounce it as Zeno. Um, I think, it, right. I think it could be pronounced either way personally, but, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. All right. So our listeners, there's a little uh, question for you. Is it Zeno or is it Zeno? There's two kinds of people in this world. People who use Zeno and people who use Zeno. Which one are you? <laughs> I'm more of a Zeno guy. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll say Zeno too for the sake of consistency. But if I slip, then sorry. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, um, Zeno Gears. Uh, wow, this is this game was crazy. So back in the day, my brother was really into RPGs, and there was a game called Zeno Gears coming out, and he was going crazy about it. He's like, "Oh, there's this game called Zeno Gears. There's all these robots." And there's martial arts, and it's an RPG, and it's by Squaresoft. It's awesome. But the problem was we could never find it. It like We searched far and wide for this game, and it just was the most elusive thing. No stores had it in stock. There were stacks of Final Fantasy VIII, but not one Xenogears to be found. So it's like, all right, I guess we're never going to play this game. And so years down the line, um, I believe they did a giant reprint of Xenogears, and um, th- I think that was when they switched the logo to Square Enix, so they reprinted a lot of their games. Uh, as some of you might know, Square Enix is one of the few publishers that actually still print PS1 games. Like, they actually do have a pressing uh, a presser available for all these PS1 games. Like, you can go on their site and still buy a lot of their PS1 library. Oh, really? Yeah, it's weird. And what's even weirder is that the discs actually have a silver back to them instead of the regular black backs that the PS1 games had. But they work the same. Huh. But yeah, so we eventually found it like years down the line. I'm talking maybe 2005, 2006. 
and we got the game. My brother was playing it, and I'd watch him play it, and it looked kind of cool. And then he just stopped playing it for whatever reason, and then I picked it up, and I started playing it, and I got really into it. And then I stopped playing it for some reason, and then months down the line, I came back to my game collection, and I was looking at my shelf, and I saw, I saw Zeno Gears there, and I was like, ooh, I gotta finish this one. And so I sat down, and I finished it, and uh, that was basically what I did throughout high school. I mean, at the time, Zeno Gears was probably considered a retro game, but back then, I, I didn't care. I loved playing old games, even back then, when I was younger. So... My Friday nights was basically Xenogears till really late. And I'll never forget finishing the game for the first time. It was like 2 in the morning. I beat the boss. And I remember just sitting there on my bed as um, the credits song was playing. And that's kind of just like what put me to sleep. And it was just like a really cute experience. Huh. Yeah, because yeah, I, um, I also uh, got Xenogears a little late as well. I, I got the, uh, the Greatest Hits version. Um, so yeah, I definitely, um, cause I also played it in high school. So I, I kind of have a similar, I, I remember like the first time I was playing it. I, I don't know why, but I remember eating, like I was eating chicken wings at the time. I, I just remember what I was eating when I finished Zeno Gears. Great snack of choice. <laughs> but go on. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically uh, how I got into Zeno Gears. Uh, Zeno Saga, basically my brother, same thing. He found out about a game called Zeno Saga, and the whole thing with it was that the game had... I think there was an IGN article at the time that said, like, Zeno Saga has as much cutscenes as a season of anime. And that was, like, a huge deal, which was like, what the hell? Like, there's games that could do that these days? And the whole Zeno series is, like, known for just, like, cutscenes. Like, people think Metal Gear Solid is for cutscenes. The Zeno series is very story-driven. In fact, I actually had the Zeno Gears uh, CD case with me, and it even says... Direct quote from the box, by the way. <clears throat> Over 20 minutes of stunning hand-drawn anime tells this complex, futuristic tale. <laughs> so that just shows you right there. They were not like ashamed of advertising that this was a very cinematic game. There's lots of cutscenes, some voice acting, some hilariously bad voice acting. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it was... Mm. And their uh, the dialogue did not match the mouths half the time. No, it didn't. There's that one cutscene um, in the woods with Ellie, where like I remember there was straight up like a whole sentence that was said, but there was no audio. Oh yeah, and I remember um, like on disc two there was like a part where Ellie was talking as well, and she like said like maybe two or three words, but her mouth kept moving for like thirty more seconds. Oh, actually, that's one. That's the thing I'm talking about. Yeah, it was this too. Yeah, yes. <gasps> oh, okay. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And did you notice that right in the ending, they didn't even dub the last line? Wait, what? So right in the ending, um, when spoiler alert, the world is saved and Faye and Ellie is coming back to everybody. So there's that one cutscene where there's Bart. And he says something along the lines of like, oh yeah, they'll be back, they promised. And then what, what's funny about that is they have that line and then literally the next like scene, they have Bart speak and instead of that burly voice he, he has, he sees Faye and Ellie and he just goes, oi! <laughs> and, and, and I remember even as a kid being like, wait, that does not match. 
<laughs> they just kept the Japanese line in there. Yeah, I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, these are obviously two different voice actors. <laughs> Maybe the English voice actor could not match that. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know what the hell happened there. They ran out of budget. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was weird that because they also dubbed like the the card game, which I I that was my least favorite mini game in Xenogears is that card game. Um, but just because I'm like really bad at it. <laughs> but yeah, I remember like. Oh man, you know I completely forgot about that. Yeah, because they dub. Um, depending on who you play. Whether you win or lose, there's a, a, win, a winning dialogue and losing dialogue. And then Bart just sounds, like, so offended when he gets lost. He just, like, calls, like, you jerk or something like that. And it's just <laughs> hilarious. Oh, but I hated that card game so much. Yeah, yeah this game had a lot of um, mid-90s cheese. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Zeno Gears. Um, and I guess well before I went on that, uh, we're talking about Z how I got into Zeno Saga. So I got Zeno Saga around the time I started college, actually. Uh huh. So there was a uh, I bought it used. GameStop had like a two for like buy two get one sale, and I made like my free game Zeno Saga because that's how much I care about the series. And so it was a loose copy, and I got the game, and I was like, yeah, I get to play Zeno Saga. This is gonna be awesome. So I put it in my PS2, and unfortunately, after the first tutorial battle, the game would freeze. Oh, no. So I'd get, I'd, you'd do the battle, and then there'd be a black screen, and it would just freeze there. The game would just lock up. So I was like, well, I guess I'm not playing this anymore. So months down the line, I ended up getting another copy somehow. This time it was complete unbox, and then I was able to actually play through the whole game. And here's where it gets weird. So I decided to do some experimenting since I still had the old um, Xenosaga disc. So I loaded a save file that was actually past that battle. The game works flawlessly. <laughs> so it's just that one particular moment that it doesn't work well. Wow, that's, that's really weird. Yeah, it, it made no sense. And yeah, eventually I got the rest of the Xeno games. I got Xenosaga 3 before it became ridiculously expensive. Good, good, because, yeah, good yeah. luck finding that now. Yeah, especially if you get the Best Buy version. Uh, I, I I really wish I had gotten the Best Buy version. I remember seeing it there, but I'd already pre-ordered it from GameStop. I didn't even get the pre-order bonus I was supposed to get from GameStop, oh, so man. I was like, no. <laughs> Which, it was supposed to be just a, a, a crappy art book, but... Of right. stuff I could probably just find online, but still. <laughs> yeah, the, the the strategy guide I think is a little bit better because there's like a nice fold-out poster of Shion in it. Mm. I did get the um, strategy guide for episode two, which was nice because it came with a, a a poster of Shion as well, and it came with a a CD which is had well, of course, it had all of the uh, Yuki kite. Uh, Kajura uh, tracks on it, which was, wasn't a lot, but it was still uh, had some of my favorite tracks on it. Nice, nice. Yeah, so that's um, Xenosaga. Did we want to get into Blade, or I guess, do you, is that enough for an origin story? <laughs> um, 
Uh, if I mean, if you want uh, to go into Xenoblade, that's perfectly fine. Um, I, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> yeah, actually, Xenoblade could be almost be like another episode, but I'll, I'll cut it short because I actually have a lot to say about that one. Okay. Um, um, <laughs> long story short, there's a whole rainfall thing that was going on, and there's a lot of kind of uh, things that weren't going right in my life at the time. And then uh, Blade came out, and Blade was kind of like the game that really helped me through that time and just helped me turn my life around. And I believe there's a whole long story with that one, like well be- that goes well before Xenoblade actually came out. And um, it's weird how it connects with my life. There's like all these weird parallels, which is one of the reasons why I'm so like attached to the series. Uh, Gears as well. Uh, Gears and Saga, they both like uh, they both have a lot of ties to my life at the time. And what I was going through. So that's kind of why I found them to be really relatable. And some of the themes are really relatable. So. Uh-huh. But yeah, basically Blade is really important. Because they came out at a time where I really needed something positive in my life. And that was that was it. Like, I was playing it that summer. And I was just in a good mood. Wow. That's really nice that that did something so impactful for you. I, it, this kind of speaks to the series as a whole. Like, how relatable it can be. And... Yeah, well, it's really nice. Yeah, I, I could I could tell that story another time because that's actually its own podcast in and of itself. All right, we'll have to yeah, wait. We'll have to yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Well, if we have a Xenoblade, I mean, I would hope we would have a Xenoblade episode. That would be a perfect time to do that. Hmm. Yeah, why don't you tell us your origin story? Because I know you're an even bigger Xeno fan than I am. Uh, well. Well, I don't know. Well, uh, okay. So, um, mine, um, cause I started, I didn't start with Xenogears actually. I started with Xenosaga. Um, it's kind of weird because at the time, uh, let's see, it was back in, well, 2003, I was in middle school. Um, middle school sucked probably as it does for a lot of people. Um, so I used video games as an escape. So, I was actually looking forward to the latest Tomb Raider game uh, at the time, Tomb Raider Angel of Darkness, which I later found out was kind of crap. Um, so, in, like, in the meantime, because that game kept getting delayed, at, delayed, um, I saw an, uh, a review in um, official PlayStation Magazine, which is no more, uh, for Xenosaga Episode 1, and it, like, because first it got my attention because it was like a full page um, review and it just the way that they described it was very intriguing to me and I think also in that issue it talked about uh, some of the censor- censorship that was done for episode one which was cr- crazy and we could probably make a whole episode about the censorship of the entire series but uh, let's leave that for another time um, but yeah I was uh, I picked up Xenosaga just looking for a distraction until another video game came out and I fell in love immediately. I remember the first time I played it. I think I played eight straight hours in a row on a Saturday. So yeah, I uh, immediately fell in love with it. And um, it wasn't until after I beat episode one, um, I think I was maybe a freshman in high school, um, cause I used to go to like the IGN forums and like look up, um, look for like new information on the next game. 
and I remember people talking about Xenogears, and I remember one time I asked, like, is Xenogears such a great game? And then someone was like, play it, you'll find out. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I went into Xenogears right after that, and it, yeah, it blew me away. Um, it, I, de I remember I waited until you know, the Greatest Hits version came out because it was, as you said earlier, it was really hard to track down, but it, it was, I mean, it was... Because Xenosaga and Xenogears, I mean, are the most related of the the Zeno games, but there was just something about Xenogears that was just truly special, and um, it was such a great game. Um, so the rest of my story, I guess, um, as you can tell, since I started with Xenosaga, I kind of gravitate more towards them, um, or towards that series in general. So a lot of my past, I like I was I've been a member to like three or four Xenosaga fan websites. I've worked on several fan projects, um, like because I really got into like programming and um, I mean not like hardcore programming, but like RimPy and RPG Maker. I was just about to ask what languages. Oh, like because um, I use RimPy, uh, which uses Python, and and then okay, I okay, use okay, yeah. yeah, and then I. Messed around with RPG Maker for a little bit. Um, I've made like two like dating sims that I'm not too proud of now. Looking back, I want to play them. <laughs> I think I still have videos up for them. I probably should take them down because I'm af always afraid that like Soria Saga will like one day like look at them and just like I'll feel sh such shame. But she writes you like a giant email. How dare you lewd Momo? <laughs> I actually made a joke and because uh, in the RPG Maker dating sim I made, I is like I had sprites from I think it was I took sprites from Namco by Capcom, the strategy RPG Mama Soft oh, made, nice. and I had Momo in there. But I was like, you cannot date her; she is underage or something like that. So it was just like Xion and Cosmos. So, but anyway, creepy projects aside, I did go on to work on um, another fan project for Zenokami. I'm still sort of working on it. It's a Zenokami was part of the Zeno Saga Freaks collection, which was a uh, it was it was a weird release. Um, it was yeah, because it was like a. It was a demo for episode two of Xenosaga, and then it also had a some type of uh, word game. Um, I think it was called Xenopiton or something like that. And then it had a database, which was kind of more in-depth than episode one's database, which was kind of nice. Um, and then it had uh, Xenokami, which Xenokami is um, a visual novel. Um so similar to, like, uh, I mean, it wasn't, like, Phoenix Wright or anything like that. It You basically, like, choose one of the six playable characters and have a little side story that takes place. I, I don't know if it takes place between episode one and episode two or if it's sometime before that. Um, because it is considered canon, strangely enough. Um, it, yeah, it was a really interesting visual novel that just was kind of goofy and kind of, 
I don't know, showed a lighter side to to the characters since episode one had its serious moments. But I've been I've been working on that project off and on for years. Um, there's I have I think we have five of the seven because there's a, a seventh bonus character that's unlockable. We have five of the, the seven characters translated at the moment, but um, life has just kind of gotten in the way for our development. I hope to get back to it someday, but right now it's kind of kind of up in the air. But, um, whew, that was a long spiel, but, um, anyway, yeah, um, Xenosaga is, uh, definitely my, uh, my favorite of the, uh, series, and then, uh, Xenoblade, I'll, um, I'll go into that a little bit, um, when I first heard it as Monado, because I remember it was originally Monado, uh, beginning of the world, I think. Right, and it made no sense, we were just like, what the hell does this mean? Yeah, so, I mean, I- I was just, I mean, I was kind of sad and excited at the same time. Sad that, well, Xenosaga is officially dead. But I was excited just to see that, hey, Milosoft's still around. Because I was really afraid after the bad sales of Episode 3 that Milosoft would go under. But Nintendo stepped in and saved them. So I was excited at the same time. You know, it's kind of interesting to think about the um, Zeno, the Xenoblade name, like the title that they had, the Monado title. Yeah. Looking back, isn't that like a giant spoiler? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> it, it's just one of those things, like retroactive was like, that's kind of a huge spoiler when you think about it. Well, I'm. it's kind of... Because it's interesting because... In, like, I never understood, like, why Xenosaga is called Xenosaga, but as for Xenogears and Xenoblade, they, they have meanings to their names that are reflected in the story, which, I mean, in Xenogears, it's literally, there's a gear named Xenogears, but right. Xenosaga, I was like, I'm not certain what why they went with that name. I have a feeling it's probably just a reference to the fact that it was originally going to be... Um, a sequel and a prequel to Xenogears. So I guess they kind of refer to it as a saga. Yeah, that's true. Like a, yeah. Cause it's, I mean, it's, or, 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 blah. their original plan was to have like several different story arcs. So that would be one long ongoing saga. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, any other fun memories being excited about Xenoblade? Oh yeah. Um, because, <laughs> Because I was so mad that um, Nintendo of America, like, had no plans to, like, bring it over. So I remember pre-ordering it on Amazon when that was uh, a thing and sending uh, an email, or not an email, I sent a letter to Nintendo of America and they replied back and they misspelled my name. And I was like, how can, it was written out. How can you misspell my name? How did he spell it? Toller? No, it was my, I think it was my last name. They just misspelled it completely. I know my last name is weird, but it's like, I, it was written down in the letter and on the envelope. How can you do that? <laughs> but I got the same stock message that everyone was getting. So, uh, but I, I was like, I was so excited because uh, eventually I, I kind of, I hate to admit it, but I kind of gave up on the idea that it was coming to the Americas. So I imported the European version. 
and e even uh, modded my uh, Wii, or I helped a friend help me mod my Wii, and uh, I was playing it that way. But like not too long after that, they were like, "Oh, it's coming to North America now." I was like, "Gosh, dang it!" It's kind of ironic uh, when you think about how Xenoblade came out to Europe first, because Xenosaga, like we, they only got episode two over there for no reason. Right. That's no so reason. weird. Like, I mean, they, they came with that DVD that of episode one, but uh, that's still, like, who... I mean, that DVD was, like, f I think four and a half hours, but the... I think episodes one cutscenes were more, like, total were, like, around eight hours. Yeah, so it was, like, half... A lot of stuff. Yeah, like, even... I remember that, because I remember getting that dvd with episode two and they cut out my one of my favorite scenes which was when um cosmos meets the crew of the elsa for the first time it's like i love that scene but they completely cut it out from the dvd and i was so mad yeah i i don't know what the hell they were thinking back then because xenosaga episode two it starts when the first game ends right like literally where the first game's credits roll that's where the second game picks up Right. So I, yeah, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Yeah, let's just start it right at the like middle of the saga, and and Gears didn't even come out in Europe either. So I don't I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a shame, but uh, I'm I'm glad they did get uh, the Xenoblade games because they did a really good job with the original Xenoblade. The, the English dub for that is fantastic. It's really good. I actually like it better than the Japanese. Um, I, I don't think I ever tried the Japanese, but, um, yeah, the English dub was phenomenal. Um, I, I definitely need to replay that because I, I, I played it when it came out and I, then I got a, a new 3DS just to get the the 3DS version, but I didn't get really far in it. And I, some of the plot details are kind of foggy, so I definitely need to replay it. Yeah, it's a big game, too. I remember when I finished it, it was at around 80 hours. Oh, dang. Yeah, it was... The game was huge. And it was just one giant adventure, and that's what I absolutely loved about it. And it, mainly the music is what really drove it home. Much like Xeno Saga as well. Like, oh my god, Xeno Saga 3. Oh, yes. <laughs> there were so many moments. Uh, okay, did you do the same thing, or am I just crazy? So there were so many moments in Xenosaga 3 uh -huh. where, where I'm playing it, and I literally put the controller on the floor and just stared at it because I was in awe. Yes. Um, the Archon Cathedral, uh, it's like near the yeah. end of the game. I like would just set the controller down and listen to the music because it, oh, it's so good. It's just beautiful. Yeah, like, oh my goodness, like, all those fights, all those um, ES fights were just insane. Like, when um, Fatal Fight was playing. Yes! Oh, I was so excited because I did not expect them to bring Fatal uh, Fight no. back. No! It was so good. Oh my goodness. And then, um, oh the fight with Yuriev, it had, um, I think it's Godsib is the name of the song. It, oh, that song is beautiful. Just absolutely just gorgeous. And the game looked fantastic, too. Oh, yeah. It was the best uh, visually of all three games. Like, I... Because 
I remember at first because going from episode one's art style to episode two, I know there was like like a little. I don't know if there was like controversy, but it was kind of weird going from these chibi anime. Well, not exactly chibi, but these anime art style to something more realistic, but still anime. Right. And then episode three was like a nice blend of both. Yeah, and then they got rid of a lot of voice actors in episode two. That's what we got. That's why we ended up having Mystic Powers. Send me a miracle. <laughs> I, I yeah, episode two was kind of disappointing that we lost a bunch of voice actors. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was some one character that I have difficulty like determining whether I like their episode one voice or their episode two and three voice more was Chaos, uh, because I just really like both of the English voices. Yeah, they did a really good job with them. Yeah, because I like episode one. I like how the voice actor. I don't know, it was just like the, I don't know, the spirit or the, he just sounded like a really nice guy that you want to hang out with. And then in episode two and three, he sounded more like the Japanese voice actor, which sounds slightly more, I, I guess, mysterious in a way, but I, I loved both of them so much. Yeah, Chaos is a really good character. Oh, yes. He's one of my favorites. Yeah, same. I, I really liked him. I liked him. I like Ziggy. You know, I like the whole cast. And that's one thing I could say about Xenosaga that does better than both Gears and Blade is the cast. They all felt important. Yes, um, I agree. Um, like, I hate to say it, but because since I recently re- I replayed Xenogears, I could I noticed it more with how the cast... I mean, they're great cast, but oh, they just get thrown into the background so much. It's really bad, especially with characters like Rico, Maria... Um, what, what's her face? Uh, Choo Choo. Yeah. Uh, Esmeralda, was that her name? Uh, yeah. Like, even, like, that little extra story you get with her at the end of, or end of disc two, it's just like, oh, that just seemed kind of thrown in there. Too little, too late. It was good, but we should have gotten that a lot earlier. Yeah, it's like when their story arc finished, it's like, oh, well, they're just gonna stick around, and yeah. that's it. But yeah, Xenosaga definitely... Um, was more balanced. Um, I think it, because I felt like episode two and three might have gotten a little unbalanced, um, or at least for a few characters, like Momo in episode three, she had her moment, like a brief moment, but then other than that, she kind of just came along for the ride, but it is definitely still more balanced than Xenogears was. Right, right, for sure. And I guess it's funny you mentioned that. I guess it's, I guess part of the reason is that Momo's story kind of gets wrapped up in episode two, just like Junior. Exactly. Um, yeah, it, it definitely her story kind of ended because her bit in episode three didn't necessarily need to be. I don't. I don't think it needed to be there, but it was still nice to have some importance for her, but. Yeah, and then Junior's story with um, Albedo and Guinan. Albedo's amazing. One of my favorite antagonists. Yeah, mine too. Like, he's one of my favorite characters. I mean, I definitely don't condone any of the things he's done, but he was definitely, he was such a, he was so complicated, uh, such a complex character, and I love that about him. And I, I could relate a little bit with the things he 
not the choose your words carefully. Yes, I need <laughs> like I I have a twin brother, so I I understand like being wanting to be close with your brother or any, something like that. But definitely could, did not condone his actions, especially against Momo and Sakura. Tyler, we all know you have a Momo body pillow that you like to do things with at night. No, 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 no. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, Albion is a great villain. Um, yeah, and I'm gl- very, very well executed. Yeah, and I'm glad Crispin Freeman played him like throughout the entire trilogy because he did such a fantastic job. I think I like him more than the Japanese voice actor. Uh. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think Xenosaga Three. Uh, one of the cool things about it, like more than just the characters of the story, they were all useful in battle. Oh yeah, it's one of the few games that I've ever played where I actually was had to make a lot of decisions and choices as to who I wanted to use. I couldn't pick a character. I'm like, do I want Chaos on my team? Oh no, but I want Ziggy. No, but then Momo. But then Shion and Kozma. It's just everybody felt useful, and I love that. Yeah, and you couldn't just go with your favorite characters. I mean, well, it's still a great cast. But I, though, I do wish that like. With the the guest characters in episode three, I do wish they were in it more, or they were like full time party members, like uh, Alan. Yeah, I can see that. Miyuki and um, Kanan. Um, I definitely wish they had become like main party members, or at least were in it more. Because I mean, Alan's like with you the entire time, so I kind of wish he was kind of more involved. That said, when Alan has his moment. <sighs> That was great. That was great. Uh, well, we might want to discuss that at a future time. But yeah, yeah. that definitely was a, a great moment for Alan. Um, it was like you've been waiting for it for so long for three games, but it, it paid off. And that's the thing with the game, um, the whole waiting, the whole three games, uh, that whole aspect. That's what they love about Xenosaga is it really felt like a ride. You see these characters grow. You see them at their worst. You see them at their best. Mm-hmm. And you kind of, you especially see that with Shion. Oh, my gosh, yes. She, like. Yeah, go on, sorry. Oh, no, no. You, um, I was, because I've noticed, like, in the fandom, um, I hate using that word, but, um, a lot of people like either hate Xion or love her. Um, I see more people hate her than love her, but I she is definitely one of my favorite characters because I like with her and uh, Faye and um, a little bit of Elma from uh, Xenoblade X. I like these characters that have these deep flaws to them, but they kind of I mean they acknowledge their flaws and kind of move past them and i i really like characters like that so yeah shion is definitely a she does have her moments where she makes some kind of bad mistakes but she does her best to correct them and i really love that about her yeah it's it's interesting and i guess like part of the reason why people were upset was xenosaga one you saw shion she was really optimistic Kind of like Luca from Chrono Trigger. Like, she's really just, like, passionate about her work. And then Xenosaga 2 happens, and she's a lot more of a hard-ass, a lot more hot-headed. And then Xenosaga 3 happens, and you find out 
certain things about her. I won't spoil them, at least not in this episode. But you find out certain things about her, and that basically sends her into like a deep depression. And she is just pretty much hitting rock bottom at that point. Yeah. Like, I felt like throughout episode three, I feel like Xion kind of really let out her like frustration on like Miyuki, especially a lot. I really felt bad because she like would t- tear into Miyuki like so much. I'm like, calm down, Miyuki's doing okay. Yeah, and especially in Zenosaka 1 where she kept praising Miyuki. Yeah, it's like, it's just a complete 180, and it's like, please, please calm down, Xion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's a really interesting character. Um, ba- basically a scumbag, but an interesting scumbag. <laughs> should we, uh, should we talk about Cosmos, or should we leave that for another time? We just started mentioning Cosmos and how she's the greatest robot ever. <laughs> it, like, I feel like she might be another character that people either love or hate. Um, mostly, I guess what she's become, because she's kind of become the mascot of Xenosaga since it ended. Cause she's been in all these different side games, um, and especially Xenoblade Chronicles 2 which took me forever to get. Right, but when you do get her, it's really interesting. Oh, it's... Because because it actually connects to Saga. Oh my god, it was so great. I love that side quest of hers. Yeah, it's it's nuts. It's it's almost as if Xenoblade 2 might be episode 4 in disguise. Huh. Mm, Maybe. (laughs) But yeah, um... Cosmos, I mean, she is pretty much the body and soul of Xenosaga. I mean, she even when the series is over, it's been... Oh, I remember... Oh, was it last week or... No, it was maybe the beginning of this month. It was Xenosaga Episode 3's 12-year anniversary in Japan. So for 12 years cosmos has been the poster child of xenosaga still releasing new figures um being in various cameo games including xenoblade 2 and uh, the project cross zone games which are eh, kind of all right but um yeah it's it's kind of interesting to uh, talk about her um but uh, what are your thoughts on cosmos i absolutely love her because you really got to see her become human throughout the series. So a lot of people say they, they play Xenosaga 1, especially after playing Xenoblade, and they kind of complain about her voice acting. They're like, oh, she sounds way too robotic. But that's the point. Yeah, she's an android. Yeah, that's the whole point. And then as the series goes on, she gets progressively more and more human. And that's one of the best examples I've seen of that in a video game. Yes, and it, I especially loved her original voice actress for the English, uh, Bridget Hoffman. She did a great job as her in episode one and episode three. I just wish she had, when they did the whole episode two thing, I was not happy. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, and, and then Xenoblade 2, though, I think that might be the worst English voice actor for Cosmos, but I, I that's my opinion. Yeah, you kind of lose some of that in um, Xenosaga. I mean, not Xenosaga, Xenoblade 2, sadly. With the, I don't think the voice actress 
was bad per se, but she didn't really get what made Cosmos Cosmos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like the kind of the same way with Telos, um, which that's a, a whole other thing with Telos. I I really wish because I feel like with Telos, I, I hate to get off the topic a little bit, but um, she. I feel like she's gotten more attention through side projects than she did in the entirety of episode three, which is because I feel like she was she she wasn't like she was barely in episode three, but she was definitely not in as much as I would hope. Yeah, that's true. And they did advertise Telos a lot. Like it was going to be this one epic Telos versus Cosmos thing. When in reality it was only a couple segments in Xenosaga Three, and at the in the grand scheme of things, she wasn't that important to the plot. Mm-hmm. I mean, though, granted that I I do believe that their um their the fights that they had between each other were really awesome, but it was oh, just incredible. Yes, I uh, the choreography and all the fights really in episode two and three were were great. It was great. Yeah, that's something to say about uh, Xenosaga 2. Yes, the battle system is mixed, to say the least. <laughs> but the cutscenes were really good. Xenosaga 2 had a really good story, and that's something I do stand by. Oh, yeah. I don't like playing it, but I like watching it. Yeah, especially the URTV storyline in Episode 2 was fantastic. Yeah, it was really good. But unfortunately, that game just had all sorts of technical issues... Like, remember the uh, battles, how they would load, and then each asset had to load individually? Right, and it took forever. I mean, probably like 30 seconds, but still, it was annoying. I, um, because I, I, I have uh, Xenosaga Freaks, I tried um, out the, the Episode 2 demo that, that was on there, and even when if it's like running through an emulator, it just takes forever to load battles yeah that that's that's sucks man i wish that uh, if they do a hd remake they can fix those load times because that would go a long way in making this game much more palatable yes so yeah if they ever made a, a hd uh remake like for episode one i would add a fast forward button because that was kind of the one thing i didn't like about episode one was the tech attacks could take a little too long Yes. And then, yeah, episode two definitely fixed the issues with the uh, low times. And then episode three, I I just really want version three Cosmos longer than, like, uh, one or two dungeons. Like, I, I really liked her design, but then she, you only see version three Cosmos for, like, yeah, two dungeons. And then on to version four Cosmos. And that version 4 Cosmos is kind of what people tend to see when they see Cosmos. It's either that or version 1. Exactly. Um, Because even you can unlock a version 1 Cosmos in episode 3, but I was really hoping that you'd be able to, like, unlock maybe all of her different versions. Because Xion had a ton of extra costumes in episode 3. Yeah. She had the most of... You know what? I have to say this about episode three. Uh-huh. I think, like, with Xion, they really tried to, like, pander to, like, and be fan servicey with Xion. 
And while I usually don't mind that, I felt like it didn't really fit Shion. It just kind of like at times just felt a bit unnecessary. Oh yeah, like her her main outfit was ridiculous. Like yeah, like I liked her in like episode one and episode two. I I did like the the more casual look to her. I like her episode two look a lot. Yeah, and then episode three she just got really weird, but which might have been influenced by Choco, the character designer. But I. I definitely preferred episode two and episode one's costumes for her. I guess you could also argue that her being um, a little bit more, I guess, promiscuous in episode three was meant to be intentional to kind of um, add to that weird, that weird clash of emotions that she's going through at the time, right? So where she's like really conflicted in how she feels. She's not quite sure how she feels about Alan, how she feels about Kevin, or just anybody, really. So you kind of get that, like, oh, here she is. She's being more casual and maybe even a little bit flirtatious. But at the same time, she's also trying to figure out her feelings. And she's deeply depressed and sad and very um, have a really negative outlook on life. On, on life. It's just, I think that's probably one of the ways to justify it. But I could also be overanalyzing it, and it really could just be them wanting to sexualize her. Yeah, either way. Because um, definitely I know they made figurines of that outfit, so that of that and her swimsuit, um, so that it could be one way or the other. Um, mm. But then they also made figurines of Momo from that game as well. Uh, well, of course, of all... We always get the female character figurines, mostly oh, Cosmos. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I have, well, my Xenosaga shrine, I have a bunch of different Cosmos uh, figurines, but I only have, like, one Xion. Um, but it would have been cool if there was, like, a Albedo figure or something like that for, to show the, the, the male characters some love. Right, right. I would love some uh, characters, like some figures of the male characters that would be really, really good. That's why I'm excited about the Faye and Ellie figures for the 20th anniversary of Zeno Gears. Oh, those look so good. Yes, I have them pre-ordered and I cannot wait. My wallet won't like it, but I cannot wait. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. You know, I'm actually looking at the Zeno Gears Japanese box. I recently bought it when I was in Japan. It was 100 yen. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went to a hard-off, and they have a junk section. Mm-hmm. And Xenogears was in the junk section, so I was like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely junk. Oh. <laughs> Poor Xenogears. It's interesting. I'm, I'm looking at it, and on the disc, it says Xenogears, and then right underneath, it says God Only Knows. God Only Knows? Yeah, God, it's on the back of the box, too. God only knows. So is that, like, their slogan? Because I remember for the North American version, it was like, stand tall and shake stand the heavens. Stand tall and shake the heavens. Yeah. So maybe they just toned it down a, a little bit for the American version. That's interesting. Yeah, because I'm looking at both of them side to side. And it looks like the, it, it, like the Japanese box... There's a lot of um, screenshots from the cutscenes on here, whereas the English version, you see the battle system and like an overhead. So it looks like 
this was really advertised as kind of like a cinematic adventure in Japan, whereas the English one, were, they were just like, yeah, this is an RPG. Yeah, that is kind of interesting to see how they advertise it differently between the different regions. Yeah, I wish they had the instruction manual, though. Sadly, it's just a disc in the case, but... Wow. This is a really cool CD, though. It's like that they have the X, and there's like a weird like splatter effect on it. It's a really pretty disc. So it's kind of like the the Xenoblade X kind of effect of the. Well, you know how like Zeno Gears has like that spray painted X. Yeah. Yeah, so it's got like particle effects of that, like splash particle effects going on. Yeah, it's just a pretty, pretty game, pretty game, pretty case. Alright. Well, um, hmm. is there anything else you'd like to talk about for either Xenogears, Xenosaga, or uh, Xenoblade? So I guess uh, we didn't really, we kind of did, but um, we didn't really mention the music, how for most of the series, it was composed by um, Yasunori Mitsuda. And it's kind of interesting how they were able to get him to do the series. And he's also, from what I've read, like, he infamously overworks himself. Oh, yeah. Like, he just, like he ends up in a hospital after pretty much every game he works on. Oh, my God. Uh, I've read, like, a story on how, I think it was Chrono Trigger. At the Chrono Trigger, it might have even been Xenogears, where he straight up sent himself to the hospital, like, right before the game launched. And he was just like, yeah, I need to calm down. Jeez. Yeah, uh, it was. It's interesting because um, definitely, um, like especially going from Zeno Gears to Zeno Saga, you can you notice like well even in um, his work in Xenoblade Two, you can kind of kind of hear a similarities between some of the tracks, um, especially in uh, Zeno Saga. There were some tracks that just had a similar vibe or sound to the tracks in Xenogears. Yeah, and I've grown up with Mitsuda's work for most of my life. Uh, many of my favorite RPGs are composed by him. Many of my favorite games are composed by him. And I guess what I really like about Xenoblade 1 is Calling Me Nine's theme mm-hmm. had, had a, a very uh, similar sound to Chrono Cross's intro. Mm-hmm. At least to me it did. So it kind of like conveyed that sense of familiarity, that sense of like, oh, this is home, right? So, I don't know, that just added to the experience, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's been a while since I've heard that song, but um, from what I remember, it, it did have a similar vibe to Chrono Cross's um, music. So, and it was definitely interesting to see that he returned for Xenoblade 2 for just more than one track this time. That was really nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. What was your opinion on Xenoblade X's music, since it was done by someone completely different than um, uh, Mitsuda or uh, Yuki Kajiura? Yeah, and I don't think Ace Plus did it either. Yeah, Solano, yeah, he's more more known for his um, anime tracks than, I think think X was his first video game soundtrack, unless I'm mistaken. You might be right, because I think he did Kill the Kill right beforehand. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think. Don't quote me on it. If I'm wrong, then sorry. No, but, that's okay. But, uh, uh, yeah, 
he, I think that might be his first game. If if it, if there's other games, then I guess we don't know. But I actually really like X. It, there's a lot of things about it that I can understand why people are upset with or disappointed. But the things that X did well, it did really well. Um, I definitely like that game a lot more than I thought I would. Um, and yeah, it was definitely, it was different from a Xenoblade game, but um, yeah. still really, really good, except, I mean, it does have its flaws. Um, mainly, it kind of uh, did the went the opposite of uh, Xenosaga and other Xenoblade games, where it was tr- trying to have more... Uh, focused casts, whereas X just has like I don't has like over, well over ten characters, maybe more than fifteen characters, and just like the the story only focuses on like two or three of them. But the thing is, it makes sense for that to be the case when you consider some of the story revelations later. Right. I think the problem with Xenoblade X was that it they made the right game. Mm-hmm but market it to the wrong audience. So everybody expected a very character-driven story, Mm -hmm. but X was a world-building game. Oh, yeah, that is true. The world itself was the main character, and the characters were the setting, if that makes any sense at all. No, no, yeah, because Mira was definitely, because I was so interesting that from the get-go you can just go anywhere on the planet i mean you you'll you'll die if you try to go too far but it it focuses on exploration of an unknown planet and it's it's fantastic um for doing that so yeah i understand that as kind of the main character and the the cast kind of being supplementary to that right i think uh, yeah i think mira is the real main character to xenoblade x and what's what I think what they should have done with the story is they should have taken some of those side quests and made them main story quests. I can guarantee you if they had taken some of those side quests and made those main story quests, people would not hate on it as much. Yes, um, I agree with you on that. Like ending aside, some of those side quests were really well written to the point where it felt like a different game even. And so many people missed out on them because a lot of people didn't bother to explore. Mm-hmm. They just said, oh, no, I'm just going to play the main story and that's it. And they ended up missing out on a lot of what made X really, really good. And then even uh, for like, even though the story only focuses like on a few characters, like the other characters are still really well written. Um, like I had several favorite characters like HB, even though he was originally just a DLC character in Japan was right. one of my favorite characters. Um, and then um, Murderous, she she reminded me of like a female albedo in a way. I also really like Alexa. Oh, she was the one that was like really into robots, right? Or the, yeah, or the yeah, skills. Yeah. Yeah, and the robot customization was great in that game. There's so much you can do, like custom color schemes. Yes. Ah, uh, yeah, I, I love trying to, like, 
because I remember I was trying to make some of my gears look or uh, gears scales look like uh, gears or ES yeah. units from Xenosaga and Zeno gears. So I, was, I, I love the customization in that. I even though I know some people complained about it, it takes what I think it took me maybe fifty hours to get access to the the scales, but right. it it just felt so satisfying when you finally gained access to them so i i didn't mind it at all it just felt like a like this huge achievement yeah and that's another yet another problem with the story pacing because mm. you get the you get the scales but you don't have access to a lot of the really good equipment until post game uh yeah and even, and even then it's like a massive grind to get those items and it's a shame because there's all this extra stuff you can do with the scales that you'll never see in the main story. Yeah, because I I remember the uh, like the the strongest scale you can get is only unlocked after you beat the game, and you have to farm so many different items in order to unlock it. But I remember I just um, yeah, I mainly used the online mode just to get those tickets to make it so much right. easier to farm. And I actually really like the online component. A lot of people didn't bother with it, which I think is so stupid. There's so many cool things. Like, I like how you could message random players. If you got items that you didn't need, you could gift it to people. Or you could just accept random handouts from people. Like, that was really cool. Yeah, it, it felt like a, co- a very collaborative experience. And I loved it, the ability to, like, recruit uh uh, other players uh characters as like an npc to your, yeah. to your battle like i love that because i i would uh just recruit some of my online friends characters and we would just go out and i i didn't like how like it was kind of timed in like the that aspect i agree with yeah like the higher the level the less time you got with them um but still i i definitely liked doing that and i also liked like doing the the missions with uh, other people, though I do think it. I don't know if I necessarily like how like the missions, because you had to do a certain like beat a certain amount of this enemy or uh, get a certain amount of this item in order to unlock the multiplayer missions, which was kind of weird. But um, overall, yeah, I did enjoy the online feature of Xenoblade X. Yeah, they were a lot of fun. Another thing that X did better than both Blade 1 and Blade 2 were the Tyrants. They were huge, and I love that. Oh, yeah. Like, the scale of the battles were just so massive and just giant, and I love that. Yes. I, I, uh... Oh, I especially love those, um... Those one long neck dinosaurs. What are they called? Uh... Milosaur or something like that because it's just like for the most of the game they like if you try to battle them they'll kick your ass but uh, right. but then once you get like the, a really strong scale and like cut off its neck you can see like it's oh it's gross face that's oh the design for that is so weird because their face is beneath their neck and it uh, <laughs> it was so weird I love that uh they made a distinction between characters that are your size and then the giant monsters. Because you could find, like, a level 10 giant enemy 
and be level 30 and still get your ass kicked because it's big. So obviously it's a tax scale with that. Right. And they did not put that back in Xenoblade 2 and I wasn't happy with that because I felt like that removed a certain sense of scale that X had. Mm-hmm. I just missed the... I miss the scales in general, essentially, too. I miss the scales. The map was really good. I liked planting the probes because then you can manipulate the economy for New LA. And I love the uh, nav ball more so than the navigation in Xenoblade 1 and 2 where it just, like, points you in a direction. But I like the, the trail because that Xenoblade 1 and 2, some, like, especially in 2, it... Like, it tells you where to go, but sometimes there's, like, either a, a trail you, you can't see right away, or there's something, it's either higher or lower, and sometimes the, the game doesn't tell you directly. It I, I just prefer the navigation in Xenoblade X a whole lot more. Yeah, the navigation was definitely better. I think the map was much better. And I just love that sense of world building that you have. I love that you can recruit the other uh, races, and then you could have them interact with your own characters, which, again, is something that wasn't even in the main story. Yeah, and, like, there were some, like, really cool side quests about, like, trying to have them assimilate with the, the, the society of uh, New L.A. and um, for the humans to try to work out their differences with them, which is, yeah, they didn't really do too much with that in the story has mostly done through the the side quests which I, I don't understand that because they were really well done in the side quests those, those quests were really well written like i love the one quest where they there was a string of murders that were meant to look like suicides and you had to investigate them oh yeah i remember that one that was good that was a really good one there's the other one where they created a church that yeah, the cult specifically. that was designed specifically the cult that was designed specifically to kill some of the other uh, races. Yeah. No, I mean there was there was also some weird side quest because I remember there was one where you had to like, wasn't it, it was like design lingerie for one of the alien races? Or... Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and then there was one about because one of the races I can't remember which was like obsessed with pizza. Um, I don't remember which one that was, but you had to go back and forth to get them some pizza. Yeah, but I love that whole... Um, yeah, it's very slice of life, but I kind of really like that. It's different, but not necessarily bad. It it felt like a giant breath of fresh air. Yeah, and it gave... I mean, it gave more character to the, the world and the different races than the main story, unfortunately, didn't do. Which, again, I think that... They they made the right game, just they marketed to the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Like that fan base, they didn't want this game. It should have been marketed to like the people who really like open world games, like Skyrim. Uh, they would have eaten this game right up. Yeah, and it definitely seemed like in spots it seemed more like a love letter to kind of older Zeno games, not necessarily the original Zeno Blade, but like I mean you can basically create the characters like from Xenogears and Xenosaga. Like I know there's a hairstyle that's exactly like Maria from Xenogears and um, I created Cosmos and she, oh, I love my Cosmos so much. 
I actually really like the um, the uh, single player, like the main character customization, because some of the dialogue choices were really great. Oh yeah, like I I remember like doing a bunch of kind of like colder responses because like oh I'm playing as Cosmos, she and I'm playing as Red Eyed Cosmos, so she would kind of be more cold. So I I love being able to um make choices like that and kind of role, yeah. role play as that character but you could easily play the game again and kind of be somebody else it was really great yeah it was great and the characters had responses to your dialogue choices i was um very uncreative and just made a character that looked like me ah, but that's fine but here's the thing thanks to the dialogue choices it really felt like i was in the game because a lot of the dialogue choices reflected what i was thinking at the times even some of the sassier ones and i like that and, it, and i had a lot of fun just pretending like i'm in the world and i kind of hate that people give this game a lot of crap for that they're like oh silent protagonist that means the story's gonna suck but those same people will praise persona where they do the same thing it's it's, it's so stupid yeah because i mean i had I was kind of afraid at first, but playing it, I really liked the silent protagonist. Um, I mean, I tend to consider Elma still to be kind of the main character, but the protagonist still has presence in the story. Like, if you compare it to, like, um, the game White Knight Chronicles, um, do you ever play that? I actually never played it. Oh, it's, I mean, it's by um, Level 5. Um, it was um, an RPG that um, you got to make your main character. I think it was mostly for their online mode at the time, but the main character is just just kind of there. They're, like, in the back of the cutscenes, and then there's this guy that's obviously the main character, but your character's just, like, tags along for no reason. But in X, you've feel like you're part of the the blade uh core um so yeah i think x did a lot better job than other games when it comes to silent protagonists i 100 percent agree and i think that people need to give x another shot like those who really didn't like it they need to come back to it just with the mindset that look this isn't this isn't takahashi's usual work this isn't necessarily a Xeno-style game in the sense that you're going to get like cutscene after cutscene for each character. But you go into it as just, this is this world that you could explore and help build. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Exactly. And what would be a best opportunity for them to play it again is through a Switch port. I wish would happen. Me too. That would be amazing. If they put that on Switch, that'd be great. Maybe switch some of those side quests, put them in a main story. Yeah, and, you know, give the players the option to put, not have to, like, physically go to a party member to put them in their party, but, like, do it whenever you want, because that was, like, the most annoying part was having to track down. That was annoying. Yeah, because sometimes the characters wouldn't be in the same spot because they have their different um, heart-to-hearts and different locations during different times, and, ugh. That was annoying. Yeah, there was a lot to micromanage in Xenoblade X, which I'm sure was very intimidating for a lot of people. I remember people also complained that 
the screen real estate was too cramped. It was just too busy. There's too many things on screen. It was very much the kind of game that you needed to play on a big TV. I was playing it on a big screen, so it looked great just having everything there. But if you're playing on a small display, I could see that being problematic. Oh, yeah, because um, I, I do like the uh, the option it has to play on the tablet or the gamepad instead because I, I, I live with my brother, so he would sometimes play games while I'm playing the Wii U, but... It definitely was kind of annoying kind of trying to manage everything on the tablet itself, like going into like the world map and then switching back and forth. Right. But um, yeah, it definitely uh, benefited from the uh, having a, a big TV and then having the gamepad for your world map. How did you, how did you, how did you feel about the overdrive system? Um, um, I, I didn't have a problem with it. Um, I had a weird problem with like the, I, I don't know. It was it was weird, but I I didn't mind it. Um, like the healing in general in that game was kind of different to get a grasp on. But um, I really like doing the overdrive when you're in your scale because then it goes into that cockpit view and it, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, I love when you do it for the first time because you really feel like you're inside a robot, like you're in some crazy anime, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because uh, I know, I think some people don't really care much for the scale combat, but I really loved how seamless it was from going from on foot to being in a scale. Yeah, that was really cool. It felt like Xenogears again, where you can mix and match. Even down to the fuel. Though I wasn't... Well, I was okay with the whole... The insurance thing was kind of... Oh, insurance. <laughs> <laughs> well, gotta get my robot insured. <laughs> Although, okay, we gotta talk about the most controversial aspect of X. Yeah. Born in the story. The music. That battle that battle music, that new LA night theme. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh wait, was that the yeah. that might Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I love that. I, I don't care what anybody says, that's that is really funny. Yeah, it it's so I mean it's like with the rest of the game, it's so different from any other Zeno games before it, but it was still enjoyable in a way. <laughs> I mean, some of it was kind of cheesy. Like, I remember, oh, I, I don't remember if this is like a, a boss fight music or it might have been just normal battle music. The one where it's like, I'm on a different planet. And... Oh, that's the battle theme. Oh, jeez. I'm on a whole different planet. Uh, yeah, that was, it's like, I'm going to need a bigger gun. Uh, oh, oh, that's my favorite verse. <laughs> okay, so in game, I was playing it and I didn't hear it that well. And then one day, I think I... I was at work or something. I was listening to that song with headphones on, and then I heard that part of the song, and I'm like, this is amazingly bad. <laughs> like, somebody actually wrote this. That is some skill. How do you write lyrics like that? What I think I think it went something like a Hello, is this thing on? Am I all alone? Is anyone there? I need a bigger gun. Help if you can. Not to sound cliche, but this world sucks. 
I'm like, what? This is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, like most of the time you, you don't get like either you're too focused on the battle or battles don't go long enough for to hear the, the whole lyrics. But when you do, it's just like reminds you of how goofy it is. Oh my god! It, I don't. I didn't know how somebody could write those lyrics. Like, it was. It, it blew my mind. <laughs> but I did like, um, like the uh, flying music for the scales. I, I really, I, it probably got repetitive a little after a while, but <laughs> yeah, it's like ah, this is this is like nice, nice flying tunes. Don't worry about the future. It's alright. <laughs> yes. You know, I love like all the vocal songs. It it added a, a lot of cheesiness to it, but that was just part of the fun, though. Like I play Xenoblade X, and I think I'm playing like some dumb Michael Bay like American movie. It's great. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. So all, I, I mean, all the like dubstep in it too. Oh gosh. Yeah, that's one of the things. Like when and I mean they. They have to make a Xenoblade X2. Um, I mean, I guess they don't have to, but eventually <laughs> I, I know. Because I remember um, Tetsuya Takahashi said something about wanting to make a, a sequel eventually. But definitely if they do, I want Sawano back. And even though people had an issue with the character designs, I, I would like Kanehiko Tanaka back. Yeah. I love it. I love it all. I like Sawano. I want him back. I want the characters on back. I just want them to do what they did with X. Try it again. Maybe make the story a little bit more coherent. Have it pace a bit better. And I think they'll have a hit on their hands. All these people who want to go on about how X was a mistake and it should have never been made will eat their words. Exactly. And I mean, even... I know that people like really hated the the character designs, um, even though he Kanahiko Tanaka. I I feel like it's just been bad luck for him to get like his character designs translated into 3D because episode one they had of Xenosaga they had that weird kind of look to some of the characters like Shion yeah. and Cosmos, but and then but I think with um, Xenoblade two like the Shulk and Fiora redesigns. I think that finally they his character designs look pretty nice finally. So if they did like I don't know something similar to what they did with Shulk and Fiora in Xenoblade Two, they might make the characters look nice. But then I don't know if that makes them look too cartoony. For that was something people were complaining about actually on the Reddit. They were saying that like, oh, Shulk looks too much like a pretty boy. He looks too young. Oh, I thought they looked cute. I thought they looked cute too, but I, I I get it. I mean, like Xenoblade One had a certain look on the Wii, and people probably expected something more in line with that, or in line with what the way Shulk looked in Smash. Right. Though I remember um, Tetsuya Takahashi said that um, they didn't really have a character designer for the original Xenoblade. They basically designed like a clothes first, and then just generated characters from that. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting that they did that, but... I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it was one of the either art books... Oh, it was the Xenoblade 2 um, art book 
had a message from Takahashi and went on to say that Xenoblade 2 was, well, I guess technically X would have been the first Xenoblade game with a character designer, but uh, Xenoblade 2, like, there is no, like, at Molosoft, there isn't a specific character designer. They're all just freelance. So for the original game, they didn't have one. And then X, they had Kanehiko Tanaka, but they had several different other character designers designing the alien races. And, and then in Xenoblade 2, all those different characters had such a lot of different character designers for both the Blades and for yeah. Torna. And, yeah. I love that about Xenoblade 2. People complained, I noticed that like it looks inconsistent, but I actually kind of like that because it felt like a giant love letter to just manga of the last like two decades oh yeah like some of those uh characters have really interesting designs like uh i love like the um like besides any of the uh, like one of the original blades in the game i really love the design of harold she's just she's just so cool because she just looks like this woman inside of like a mech dragon and it's it's ridiculous yeah, but awesome at the same time she was a great one. I think my favorite blade is uh, Sheba. Oh, Sheba, which oh, I can't remember which. She, she's the one that's the mermaid that like sits in a giant floating like bathtub and sips tea. <laughs> she had a. She, I mean, she was had a ridiculous design, but ridiculously awesome. Yeah, I loved her, and her personality was so fun. Like, her quests were fun. And also, she's ridiculously powerful. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like, you can actually one-shot enemies with her. It's bad. Dang. Yeah, when maxing in Xenoblade 2 is a giant rabbit hole. Don't get into it. I spent far too much time getting into maxing my characters. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't gotten quite that far, but... I usually try to at least do some of my favorite characters' side quests and kind of end it from there. Though I didn't finish all of my favorite... I, like, I never did Harold's side quest. I did her heart-to-heart, -heart, but I need to go back and do her side quest sometime. Yeah, her side quest is pretty good. And when she's maxed out, she's really powerful. Nice. And I was... Cause I, well, I love Cosmos' side quest. I, I, I mean, I liked Telos's, but it was... It was so short in comparison. To, I mean, she was just kind of added as... I mean, she wasn't DLC, but she was added as an update, so she wasn't as... Her side quest wasn't as in-depth as the characters or blades that were already in the game, but I, I, it, was, it was still nice to have somewhat, or some story interaction with her. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great bonus. They didn't have to put her in at all, and the fact that they did, and for free too, it was just great. Yeah, I did not. Uh, I went crazy when I when I heard that Telos was going to be added to the game for free. It's like, give me more Xenosaga references, please. Yeah, that Xenoblade Two is just one massive rabbit hole. I have about two hundred hours in that game. It's I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> same here, same here. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah. So that's a Zeno, the Zeno series. Yeah, the the Zeno metaverse, as it as you might uh, call it. Um, yeah, but um, I think. 
now would be like a good stopping point. Um, so let's see. Um, I don't know how often or how many episodes we'll do of this. Um, I mean, definitely I'm doing this out of fun because it was really, it was really nice talking to you and or anybody about the Zeno series. So thank you very much for uh, talking with me today. Oh, thank you for having me, man. Like, I don't have a lot of friends who were really into uh, the Zeno games growing up. So that's why I'm really happy that I met you and we're just like, oh, man, did you just see this cool thing at Zeno? Yeah, dude, that was awesome. Exactly. Yeah. So it's great to just be able to just sit here on a calm, rainy day like today and talk about something that we both love so much. Same situation. That's why I, like, gravitated more, like, well, I feel like forums are kind of di dying out these days, but definitely. You're right, actually. Yeah, gravitating towards online friends in the Zeno community was one of the best things I ever did, and I, I just love talking about Zeno games because I can't really talk with a lot of people in real life about them. Otherwise, they'll just kind of zone out and just nod along. <laughs> um, but anyway, if um, yeah, um, in the future, um, I don't know it, what our next topic will be, um, if and when we do one. Um, I definitely want to like maybe get more people involved, uh, maybe have some guests because I definitely had some people say they would uh, wouldn't mind uh, helping out in the future. Um, I just uh, maybe I'll compile a list of different topics and post on Twitter. It's like, hey, who's interested in this topic, and we'll we'll arrange a date to talk about it. Yeah, and we can also do polls too. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, definitely. Um, so if anybody wants to, like, uh, check out anything you have on social media, where would be a good place to um, look at that, Justin? Probably Twitter. Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe we're both on Twitter, and we can easily tweet out to people. Maybe do a Twitter account for the cast itself. Oh, yeah. we, I c Yeah, we could definitely do that. But, I mean, you could do that later on. I mean, I guess, like, for the first couple of episodes, we could just keep it, whatever. Yeah. This is just us doing the cast. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, in the meantime, um, my uh, Twitter handle is at uh, uh, Cosmos Chaos, and that's Cosmos, obviously, with a K. Um, so I'll probably, at some point, uh, put up either a uh, poll or just ask people what they'd be interested in and... In, uh, talking about and if you uh want to be a guest on a specific uh topic just let me know or justin know we can uh, arrange that yeah tell us what you guys want i don't bite unless you're into that <laughs> I, I i i don't bite at all <laughs> all right um so i think that wraps up today i uh hope you uh liked our somewhat of a ramble but it was uh it was a fun ramble so um i'll see you guys next time catch you guys later <laughs>